Welcome to the next edition of Fixed Interest, where we are going to be discussing Chile and Colombia in the context of their recent social protests. My name is Shelley Sherry, and I'm the co-head of the Americas. I'm happy to be joined by Richard Francis, director in the Sovereign Team and the primary analyst for both the credits under the discussion today. In October last year, Chile's economic and political outlook was severely hit by violent protests. While protests have dramatically reduced in intensity, the aftershocks of the political earthquake are still impacting the growth, fiscal, and political profile of the country. Furthermore, risk can come from the long process of drafting a new constitution. Similarly, Colombia has also been hit by sporadic protests, although the much lower intensity. Just by background, Colombia is rated triple B with negative outlook, and Chile is currently rated at A with stable outlook. So Richard, over to you. Uh, maybe we can start by you comparing and contrasting the social movements that we've seen in Chile and Colombia in recent months, and what do you think are the underlying causes that have led to these issues? Well, starting with Chile, I think as you mentioned in the intro, the impact was quite severe. There were relatively large, massive protests. Over a million people at some point in October were in the, in the streets protesting against a, a variety of factors, pensions, education, healthcare, social issues in general, and also the inequality in the country overall. And I think furthermore, probably more importantly, a lot of these protests were violent in nature. There was looting, destruction of property, and this all had a very severe impact on, on economic activity in the fourth quarter of last year. While as in Colombia, I think protests have been much more sporadic and not as intense, mostly peaceful, and you know, there was some impact on growth probably in the, in the fourth quarter, but much less severe. And I think in both cases, you've seen um, the protests you know, not completely die off or die down, but they've been much less intense and much more sporadic in, in, in the case of both countries. So let's first focus on Chile, where, as you mentioned, that there's been much more intensity in the protests. Um, what's been the impact on growth and fiscal accounts of Chile in the aftermath of these protests? Yeah. Our base case in Chile has completely changed from before the protests in October and, and then after. I mean, the growth rate last year has already come out. It was 1.2 percent, whereas we were expecting over 2 percent growth last year before the protests. And I think it's, it's had a lasting impact because we're now expecting 1.2% uh, growth when we were expecting growth to, to start heading toward more potential toward 3% growth. So it's had a profound impact on economic growth in the country. So you've already talked a little bit about growth. What about fiscal accounts? We've also majorly changed the trajectory of the fiscal accounts as well because the government during the protests basically announced a series of spending measures, partly to, uh, you know, for reconstruction of, of the, the metro, which was heavily damaged by protesters, but also to reactivate the, the economy. And so now we're looking at a fiscal deficit of 4.5% of GDP this year when we were looking at a deficit closer to 2% before the protests. So it's had a tremendous impact on the fiscal side. The government's announced only a gradual fiscal consolidation over the next four years. And as a result, we're expecting debt to GDP to, to head toward 40% when we were expecting it to stabilize below 30% before. So it's, it's had a pronounced impact on the, on the fiscal and debt trajectory. 
So yeah, those are fairly large adjustments to our baseline. So what are the main risks that you will be focused on and monitoring in the coming months and weeks and how you know those risks could then translate in terms of having a rating impact uh, yeah. for the sovereign rating of Chile? Well, so far we, we still maintain our A rating for Chile with a stable outlook. It is the highest rating in Latin America. We've basically incorporated all of these negative trends into our, our rating model, which we start off with in our, our analysis. And it, it has not changed the initial starting point for the rating. Of course, there are some risks. Mainly the risks come from expectation that there are going to be protests in, in March. And if these protests turn violent, that could certainly be negative, as it was in October of last year. Secondly, they've announced a, a referendum on whether they want to change the Constitution. Um, that, that referendum will take place in April. And then if the yes vote passes and they rewrite the Constitution, it will be a very long process. Uh, only a new constituent assembly chosen in, in October, and then they'll have a full year to rewrite the Constitution, and then uh, they will only be ratified in early 2022. So that creates a long period of uncertainty, and, and, and most likely because of that, we, we see uh, investment is going to fall this year. It's probably going to remain low even in going into next year. So there's a lot of uncertainties on the growth front, whether growth will pick back up to, you know, potential of a little bit lower potential of two and a half to three percent, um, or if this lingering uncertainty um, it reduces growth and therefore we have higher fiscal deficits and higher, um, you know, higher debt levels than what we're currently expecting, basically. So Richard, maybe let's move on to Colombia. We currently have a negative outlook on Colombia's ratings, partly due to the challenges related to the structural fiscal consolidation and debt stabilization. How have the protests and the related government policy response affected our baseline? I mean, so far, the key factors that were behind the negative outlook in, in Colombia, we, we put the negative outlook in May of, of last year, so well before the, the protests even took place. And, you know, because they've been pretty peaceful and sporadic in, in, in general, there hasn't been much of an impact on growth, as not, certainly not even nothing compared to, to Chile. However, they did have a tax reform package that was in Congress and had to be uh, repassed basically because the constitutional court got involved and said that there are technical reasons why the tax, the original tax reform passed in 2018 was was uh, unconstitutional, but on technical grounds. So they had to resubmit it to Congress, and at this time there were protests, and uh, and partly as a result of the protests, uh, the president announced some givebacks ba basically in taxes, specifically three days uh, of of a holiday without the VAT per year, and then also some kind of tax rebate for the poorest 20% of the population. So there was a watering down of, of the tax reform, which we already had expected to be negative in terms of, of tax revenues starting this year. So now we, we were expecting around a 0.7% fall in tax revenues because of tax measures uh, that were going to be introduced. But now we're expecting closer to 1% of GDP fall in, in tax revenues. So it's, there was some hit to the, to the fiscal side. But it sounds like there was not a major impact, obviously, compared to Chile, it was not, not at all that significant of an impact. So given that, what are we looking to monitor to resolve the negative outlook on Colombia's ratings? Yeah, I think there, there are three factors. I mean, the good news about Colombia is we're, we are expecting growth to remain relatively solid this year, about 3.3% of GDP. But over the past few years, we've seen debt to GDP rise pretty significantly from 30% when we upgraded Colombia to triple B in 2013 to now around 45%. So it's been a pretty big increase in debt to GDP. 
and they've had issues in terms of the fiscal consolidation. Over the last few years, they've, uh, they've changed their, their fiscal targets, and then they've, they've relied on one-off extraordinary revenues to, to meet the revised targets. So we'll be looking at, can they stabilize debt to GDP, one, whether they meet their fiscal targets under the fiscal rule or not, and how they're going to meet the, the fiscal targets. If they're, if they're meeting the targets largely on maintaining tax revenues to GDP or instead of relying on one-off uh, measures such as extraordinary revenues from the central bank, extraordinary revenues from Ecopatrol and asset sales, basically. And what about external accounts? Are we concerned about those as well? I think that's a new additional concern because we've seen the, the current account deficit rise uh, pretty significantly. We, we estimate that the current account deficit ended last year at 4.6% of GDP. I believe it's the highest in Latin America. And as a result of the high current account deficit, you know, we, we do see external debt starting to, to rise. Uh, the good news on the external front is, to date at least, the, most of the current account deficit has been financed by foreign direct investment. So it is a concern. Obviously, it's a very high deficit to finance, and, and that is an additional factor that we're looking at. Thanks so much, Richard, for your insights, and thank you for listening. And for more on Chile and Colombia, you can access our research on our website, fitchratings.com. Hope you will join us in the next Fixed Interest Podcast. Thank you.